Hello, queens, and welcome. I'm Peter Tuck, the founder of the Better Birth Program and a mum to four small humans. On the Birth Better podcast, I will be having real, honest, raw conversations that you need to hear as you are preparing for your birth. So you not just have a positive birth experience, but you thrive in motherhood as well. So strap in and let's get started. On today's episode, I talk with Sarah, who is a first time mum and is struggling with some of her birth preparation and she needed some problem solving, some strategies and guidance and support to help her find what was right for her and feel better prepared so that she could go on and have a better birth experience. Essentially what I did with Sarah is is what I would do with my um, birth preparation clients that I work with and it's a really good episode especially for those that are at the moment preparing for birth so that they could sort of get an understanding of what it looks like or what it feels like to actually have what I term those birth blind spots. Since the podcast has been recorded, I've heard from Sarah and she has said how much chatting with me has helped her and she was able to clear those pitfalls or those blind spots or those blocks from her birth preparation and she's feeling much more confident and clear and excited and ready for her birth. As always, the advice and opinions that I give is not medical advice. If you would like to work with me or um, find out more information, you can follow me on social media, Peter Tuck, Bruce Vendula, my website, petertuck.com, or um, send me through an email at peter at petertuck.com.au. Don't forget to like and review the podcast so the podcast gods know that what I'm sharing is worthwhile and worth listening to. Let's get started into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today I have with me Sarah. She is a first-time mum. She is 26 weeks pregnant, and she is preparing to have a birth in the birth centre. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Now, um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to be doing all of this and having these conversations. So the first question that I ask every single person that is coming on my podcast is what was the very, very first experience or exposure to pregnancy or birth, whether it be now or when you were a child? Like what was that? Um, I don't really know. I think the first time I really kind of started thinking about birth was when we, my partner and I decided we didn't want kids. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and it just kind of came at a time where we were like, just so many different reasons, like the state of the world. We loved our life. We still love our life. But um, just, yeah, we just decided we didn't want kids. But then all of a sudden, all my friends were having kids. And my Instagram feed was kind of filled with like natural birth and like the birth environment and like birthing in hospitals. And then it became something that I was like, kind of a little bit interested in. Okay, and didn't what, really think too much about. What were your feelings about it? Were you scared? Were you excited or neutral? Like what was that? Um, it was a little bit like I'm kind of glad I'm not wanting kids now because the birth system through the hospital seems really scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I'd never considered at all. Um, and then since I've been pregnant, it's become a lot more exciting because it's my birth um and I want a natural birth but it is still a little bit daunting because I don't know if my midwife is on the same page as me okay we're going to explore this and unpack this (laughs) so for everybody listening we're going to obviously be doing this a little bit different Sarah's not given birth before so we're not going to be talking about her birth experience but what we're going to do is talk about her birth preparation and what that looks like and help her to get clearer or confident um, and feeling ready and that's a question I'd like to ask you Sarah do you feel ready to give I actually do 
You um, do feel ready. Yeah. Do you feel confident to give birth? I'm confident in my ability to give birth. 100. I actually have never felt more confident in my ability to do anything before as much as I do in my ability to birth my baby. And where does that come from? Where has that come from? Has that come from doing lots of research? Has that come from, like, where is that thought process? Was it just um, there or you didn't have to actively think about it? Since I've become pregnant, it's just something that I just know within myself. Right. Like, so your instincts. Yeah. 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 Yes. So it's not something that you've actively had to think about and force upon yourself. It just, no. it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I, in the questionnaire that I got you to fill out um, before the podcast, some of the current struggles that you put on there were other people's expectations. Will Mm -hmm. my partner be a good birth partner? How do you communicate with him? Will my midwife respect my wishes? Something that I just straight away will point out there for you. The language that you use around your birth is really, really important. And using the word wishes is almost self-sabotaging because wishes by definition is something that is granted and most likely will never happen. So we don't want to be lacing our birth choices, informed choices as a wish because that's not the case. Um, yeah. So um, is it too late to give birth at home? Like I wanted and will my midwife only be there if I go to birth suite? Okay, so these are your current struggles and I, I want to explore them with you. So the way I work um, and how I got to where I was in having uh, my birth experiences is using an, a unique method. And so I want to step you through these struggles that you're feeling right now. Okay. Yeah. So have you at any point during this birth preparation actually checked in with you? Because I noticed there's some things in there like, is it too late to birth at home? Is my partner going to be a, a good communicator? Have you checked in with you and the path that your birth is on right now for your preparation? Have you checked in with yourself to know that that is exactly what is aligned to your needs? Do you feel that it is? Have you actually ever asked yourself that? I have. And I did think it was. Um, when I first got pregnant, I really wanted a home birth. Um, and that scared my partner a little bit. So we decided to go with the midwife wife group practice. And I was okay with that because I felt like they were aligned with what I wanted. Like I would have like a home birth experience, but in the birth suite. Um, the further I get into my pregnancy um I've only met with my midwife three times but um just some of the things she said I'm now like oh I don't know if that is like aligned with what I want and so like I've, I'm starting a list of questions so that next time I see her I can really kind of figure it out and my partner's now more like maybe we should just give birth at home as well okay so, so- our care providers play a really big role in our birth, right? So, um, but before, and what I encourage all of my clients and all women to do is before you start asking those care providers the questions, before you start creating your birth plan, before uh, you go any further than that, you need to really get clear on who you are as a person. So, I touched on your values and making sure that it's aligned, your birth experience is aligned, your birth, sorry, choices are aligned to to, to you. But I also mean getting clear on your personality type, yeah. how it is that you communicate your fears, your traumas, and not just surrounding birth, your relationship, your relationship with your partner, relationship with your mother, with your sister, with, with anyone who is influential and important. So, you know, if you are a people pleaser, if you find yourself saying yes, even when you're screaming no internally, that has the potential to impact your birth experience. Because if in everyday life, you are a yes person, when you want to be a no person, you're going to be exactly the same, if not probably worse when you go into your labor and birth, because you are at your most vulnerable. So just because that's your top personality type doesn't mean that you're headed to a shitty birth experience. It's the part of acknowledging that, okay, this is what I'm more likely to do. This is what, and when I'm facing a situation where I'm under pressure, this is what I do. 
these are the things that make me feel safe and comfortable in those moments. And then you need to replicate that in your birth so that you're not railroaded and starting to lose control and not being the active leader in your birth that all women should be. And also unpacking traumas and fears and past relationships, particularly with your mother, with your mother-in-law and with your partner. And the reason I say that is because you've just sort of mentioned, you know, how do I communicate to him? Is he going to be a good birth partner? And so that to me indicates that you may not have addressed or you are aware, like you're aware that there are some communication issues there. Would you say that? Yeah. Like we've had a conversation about it. And I know that I want my experience to be like positive and light and and like he's just said like he doesn't really know what to expect. So he'll just, whatever I need, he'll do for me. But I, I like being prepared. So I'm like, I would like to kind of give you some kind of guidance beforehand, but I've never given birth before. So I literally have no idea what kind of help I'm going to need from you other than to like be positive and like make me laugh remind me that I can I can do this and like rub my back support me like you're my biggest support person but also there's things that I know and trust in my body so if I don't want an intervention and I feel like medical staff are pressuring me I want him to be able to back me up but he's very much like I don't feel like I can say no to a doctor because they know best but to me I know my body. Okay. So that is really good though. So you have started that conversation and he has acknowledged that he may not actually be that person to advocate with you. I never say for you because you should never be handing over that role of advocacy to anybody else but yourself. And then if you're unable to to physically voice that, you've got someone beside you, right, that's with you. And so if he's acknowledging that he doesn't know that he's that right person, there's so many different things that you can do and strategies that you can put in place. And it could purely be that you guys just actually need to do some more birth preparation together so that his confidence grows in you and in your body. And so I always say the best thing that you can do to help communicate with your partner is be confident in yourself and your birthing abilities and having that plan and that preparation in place. So then they can just support you with that. It's difficult for you to say to him, look, this is what I need from you. If you don't actually really know what it is that you need. And I hear you when you say, but I've never given birth before, right? But you're also saying that you trust your body. So you don't really need to know what you need. Do you know what I mean? If you have that clear preparation, right? You don't need to worry about whether he needs to tickle you or whether he needs to put pressure on your back, right? Because our bodies know how to give birth. And it sounds like from what you're saying to me that you truly believe that. Yeah. So don't focus on that because you don't need to, right? You need to focus on the preparation beforehand and what it looks like to birth in our system, because that's where you're going to need his biggest support, right? Yeah. And by doing that, by being clear, like, and knowing what it is that you need. So if, like I said, we'll go back to the people pleasing thing. If you are that person, you need someone who's not right? You need someone who's not the people pleaser that can help you without you just going, oh, yes, sure, no problems, even though that's not what you want to do. Now, that might not be him either. Do you know what I mean? It might not be him. It might be that actually you do need a birth support with you, actually physically with you. But it's something else that you need to remember that they will not ever do anything for you. It's you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there's a lot of power in that, in knowing that you you're responsible. It's your birth experience, right? But you need to ensure that the team that's with you is going to uphold your values and your choices as well and yeah. support you with that, not not taking over and making that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would recommend is that you get super clear on, on you and, and what it is that you need to feel safe and your traumas. Like um, I noticed in one of your things, you said people's expectations. What is that? What do you mean by people's expectations? It's more like my partner's brother has recently, they've got two kids under three. So they're very much like they've just had the experience of having two kids. So whenever we talk to them, they're like, oh no, this is how it's going to be. 
And then my partner's like, well, they're the ones with experience. So that is how it's going to be. And I'm like, but that we're not them. Yeah. Their lives aren't our lives. And I more just get frustrated. Like it's it's frustrating when people just aren't open to the fact that everybody has different experiences. And it just bothers me so much. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Like I understand that that was their experience and that's great, but mine is going to be different. Yeah. So you need to put some boundaries in place and just go, look, your experience is exactly what you've just said. Your experience is yours and mine's different. Okay. And I, I love you and I appreciate you, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to that narrative because this is my experience. And there's so much power in just doing that. Uh, Are you going to, you know, be the favorite person by doing that? Maybe not because some people just don't realize and that you're doing this to benefit you. And that's a lot to do with like our relationships because those people close to us, they love us, but also they project their fear onto us, right? And I have a thing that's called like the fear-led circle where we all somehow end up in it, okay? And by them telling their stories, it's then projecting onto you. And if you aren't in a space to be aware of that and step out of it, then you're trapped back in the fear-led circle and then you project it onto someone else. And before you know it, everybody's in there spiraling around and it's up to you to break it and step out of it. And to do that, it's by getting clear on all of these things so that when people have conversations like that with you, it doesn't derail you and it doesn't drag you back in there. Or if it does, you realize that it has and then you go, oh, shit, I need to get out of here and I need to put extra boundaries in place. I need to practice, I don't know, positive affirmations. I need to ensure that my birth plan is really, you know, rigid, not rigid, so really um, prepared and ready. Um, So that's like really important to do. And it all sort of goes hand in hand with like, knowing like your values, which you seem like you'd really do, but also knowing what your weaknesses are. And I don't know if you've ever really explored that. Like for me, when my, one of my weaknesses is when I um, get placed into a situation where it's confrontational, I don't run away. I can be quite, not aggressive, but I can be, well, I suppose it might come across as aggressive, but like very assertive, which can throw other people off. And so I need to be aware of that, of what that looks like in in a situation and how that could impact that situation and what I need to do to better support me so that then it doesn't spiral. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And like our personalities and our strengths and our weakness all play a really big part in the type of preparation that we need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And once you've sort of done that, then you can move on and establish what your ideal birth is, which I really want to talk to you about because when I say to people, oh, what's your ideal birth, right? They say, oh, you know, I want to have a home birth. Fabulous, okay? And when I say what is your ideal birth, I am talking what is your ideal birth in an ideal world? So take away your finances or your current circumstances or your location or anything. What does your birth look like, right? So getting super, super clear on what that is forms the foundations to the type of birth that you will prepare for. And it doesn't matter if that birth is not able to happen because you can take parts of that and replicate it in any setting, in any Mm -hmm. type of birth. So I would like to know, what would you say is your ideal birth? My ideal birth would be, I'm not, I thought I would be bothered like whether it was at home because it's our home and our animals are here, and our lives are here, but I think I'm more concerned about, like, I just want it to be positive in terms of, like, I know it's going to be hard and painful, but I still want to enjoy it. So just, it doesn't have to be hard or painful. So that there can be a shift in your internal language and in your mindset. If you are telling yourself every single day, this is going to be really hard and it's going to hurt, it will. Yeah. Right? If you tell yourself this is going to be a, an intense experience, yeah, reframing the language that we use, right, mm-hmm. is is important to to helping create that mindset, and it would also be important for your partner because when you hear hard and pain, there's negatives attached to that. Yeah. So whatever language is right for you, but being mindful that when you're constantly telling yourself, oh. This is going to be the shittest experience, but I want it to be magical. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. a negative and a positive in there. Let's let's reframe how we're thinking about this. Yeah? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, 
using like, different words yes feels. like the yeah. same that goes for wishes like that's subconsciously telling us that we need a fairy godmother to grant our birth experience that we're preparing yeah. for which is never going to happen there is no fairy godmothers so by saying that it's a wish and you know what i'll even go as far as extending to preferences the choices that you make for your birth and what goes on your birth plan should be informed choices, not a wish, not a preference, not a liking for one over the other. It is a choice. And that birth plan has clear paths that if you don't get your ideal circumstance, you go on to the next one and the next one. And if for some reason there is a circumstance that you haven't prepared for, right, that you haven't written down, you've done the process to get there so that you can make an informed decision if you needed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just often a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> that's, I like to do that. <laughs> um, so go back to your ideal birth. Right. So you thought that it was going to be at home, but it's not necessarily that. Yeah. I think like for me, it's more my mindset that is important than the actual setting. So that's like, yes. So your ideal birth, right? Mm-hmm. You need Location is important. I don't get me wrong on that. It's important that wherever you are is where you feel safe and comfortable and supported and it's a positive environment and all of those types of things. That's really important, okay? But also if you can't have it at the location that is right for you, you can still replicate those feelings. So when I say to someone, tell me what your ideal birth is. Often it's just like, oh, I want to have a home birth or I want to have a water birth. But you need to get clearer. Why do you want to have those? What does that evoke in you? What response does that have? How does that make you feel? And then replicate that, okay? Yeah. Yeah? So how do you want to feel in your birth? So I thought I wanted a home water birth because baths for me aren't, like I shower when I want to get clean. A bath for me is like where I truly connect to myself. Like I put my essential oils in there. I light my incense and it's like a meditation for me. And that state is what I want to be in when I birth. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I necessarily need to be in water to find that place within myself. You don't. And that's a very good thing to acknowledge because if you were thinking that you could only obtain that from being in a in the water, what happens if you're not in the water? Yeah. How is that going to affect your mindset? If you're holding on thinking, I need this water birth because this is what's going to help me, and then for whatever reason it doesn't happen, that has the potential to sort of impact your birth experience. So that's a very good realisation that you're getting clear on that, that yeah, I would love to be in a bath and yeah, I would love the water, but this is why I would love it. And I need to be able to replicate that in any other setting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. Like that's, do you think that you are able to do that? Do you think you've gotten to a point where you can do that? I do. Yeah. I think I, I can. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So your ideal birth is a lot to do with surrendering, like describe your ideal birth to me. Yeah, so, yeah, surrendering, like having full faith in myself and being respected in terms of my choices. The I way love I'm that you use that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just supported in a way where it kind of, like I know I'm able, but to be supported by people who also believe I'm able. Do you think I, you have that now? I do with my partner. I'm not sure with my midwife. Okay. So unless you're screaming yes, it's a no. It's <laughs> not a, oh, maybe there's no gray area. It's either yes, they support you. And if it's anything other than yes, then no, they don't. I think she knows I'm capable. She's a midwife. She's seen people give birth like every single day. But I think she also, there's a way that she sees birth going where like it might get to a certain time in my birth where she's like right we need to do this now because for whatever reason where I'm like I I don't want the intervention yeah okay so and I totally hear when you, you when you say she's a midwife she sees birth every day but that still doesn't mean she has faith in a woman's capabilities because yeah. the system doesn't it's very rare for uh 
someone in the fragmented, although she's in MGP, but somebody in the hospital system to actually see a full and physiological birth, okay? So whilst I appreciate what you said, you then went on to say that I'm worried that when she gets to a certain point, which then highlights that she actually doesn't have faith in your capabilities. Does that make sense? Yeah. So because she's the first couple of times I met with her, she was like the midwife group practice, it's very much like, We want you to have a natural, unmedicated birth, no interventions. And then the last time I saw her, she mentioned that it's low pain relief and low interventions. And I was like, that's a different wording that you've used. And I was comfortable when you were like, we prefer you to have none. But now you're kind of slipping in that there may be. And it was almost like a if we tell you you're going to need it, you'll just need it. Kind of like she was trying to assert dominance almost. And that so she was trying to be the controller of the birth. Yeah. Because then she said that she'll get us to do a course very close to when I'm due um, that goes over what me and my partner can expect when we come into the birth suite and how my birth will go. And I was like, oh, that sounds awful like right before I give birth you're going to let me know what you expect of me whereas I feel like I should be telling her what I expect from her yeah so when we give birth in this maternity system so whether we're giving birth at home or even free birthing we all are in this system because there may be times when we do actually need to use the system and I'll be honest the maternity system is not set up to support women it's not set up to have the birth that you're describing to me okay um and I'm going to have to say that I kind of agree with the midwife that you need to know what to expect when you go into the birth I don't believe that you need to do that right before you give birth you need to actually know now like you need to you need to know now because this forms part of your preparation right so Mm -hmm. just as I went through with you and you sort of you need to get clear on you and all of what that entails and what you look like as a person then you need to get clear on your ideal birth and then you need to take uh, take that to this the your care provider and the system that we're in okay and you need to be aware where your care provider doesn't align to you and your ideal birth okay yeah and you even need to change care providers which I appreciate for a lot of people that's not possible or you need to put systems in place and strategies in place for you so that you're better supported through staying with that care provider or in that model of care okay so without knowing that and without understanding where you don't align with your care provider you can't effectively prepare for your birth because because of this system you may find yourself in circumstances where they risk you out of this model of care right and you need to be aware of that. And yet it may, it may play on your mindset when you first become aware of it, but without understanding it and without acknowledging it, it can be a really big blind spot in your birth preparation, right? And then if something was to happen in the weeks leading up to your birth or during your birth, you're not going to be able or in a, the better mindset to be able to handle that effectively. And especially if you're in labor and you haven't prepared for what this may look like, right? In, yeah. If you're in labor... And um, a complication that generally is a transfer out of birth centre into birth suite could be meconium in the waters. It could be you having high blood pressure um, if you needed pain relief, right? If you haven't prepared for that, if you don't know what that looks like, you're sending yourself on a path to birth disappointment and where you will feel out of control, right? So it sounds like that you're done little bits and pieces of, you know, step one and two, but it's really here at this care provider and this care model. And I do see a lot of your things that you're saying is where your concerns are at. And I, I really would encourage you to explore that. And I know that you said you have questions for her, which is great, which is a really big part, right? What are some of the questions that you have? So more just like, like what are their policies on intervention? When do they deem it necessary? to intervene and what does that look like because then I can know what my options are Mm -hmm. so but also feel more relaxed about it 
can I also just draw your attention to that she may not actually know all the policies, right? There's a lot. Yeah. You're in Cairns, you said? Yeah, Queensland? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Queensland, Health, Health, Queensland Health actually has a guideline on supporting normal birth. They have to tell care providers how to support someone to have a normal birth. And um, I would encourage you to go, you can jump onto Queensland Health's website. If you... Uh, if you search Queensland Health Clinical Guidelines for Maternity, it will bring you up all of Queensland Health policies, right? Okay. So you can read them. You don't need that midwife to give them to you. And then yeah. you'll need to, to ask if there's any policies that are specific for that particular care provider or that particular hospital. Okay. Um, and that will help you. And it may help you form more questions for her on what that looks like. You know, yeah. what it looks like if I get to 40 weeks plus one. What does that look like if I if I decline an induction? What does it look like if I have gestational diabetes? What does it look like? You know, you can start asking those questions and then you can start to form plans. And so that was where my next point went. What for you, what happens when you get those answers to the question? What does that look like? I think that looks like another conversation with my partner about whether it's the best place for us to give birth and looking into what other options we have, whether that be a home birth or... Is there private practising midwives in Cairns? There are, yeah. Okay. Understanding your care provider and where you don't align is really important and I find it's one of the biggest blind spots that women have in their birth experience because they they, they simply don't do it or they leave it until... You get to 38 weeks and you realize, oh, they're saying some things that don't really feel aligned to me or you're in labor or they're pushing an induction on you. And imagine trying to do that at that point in time. Imagine trying to have these conversations that you're thinking about having now when you're in labor for 39 weeks. Do you know what I mean? So that's a really big blind spot and it's a really important process to do and ignoring that and just hoping or wishing that your birth isn't going to need any intervention or need to, you know, detour could be setting yourself up, you know, for birth disappointment. And there's power in knowing how the system works as well. So then you can understand it better. Like you can understand why this midwife is recommending something to you. You know, you can ask why you have, you can understand why you're having this conversation. And I think it's also important to acknowledge and remember right now is that you do not have to do anything that you don't want to. Do you know, like a policy is not the law. You're not going to jail if you say no. Like, yeah. it's not the law. You have the right to decline any recommended care and they must support you. Yeah. I say that, but it's only for public hospitals. If you were in a private hospital, it would be a different story and they can refuse to um, offer you care if you don't go by their recommendations because it's private. It's a completely different scenario. Um, But yes, so that's really, that's like a really important step. And I think you will find that that's really what's sort of, you know what you want, you know what you need. You're worried how your partner's going to go, right? And I get it. But I think that this here, your ideal, like your care provider is really that thing that's blocking you right now right yeah, it's, it's that thing that's stopping you from really feeling ready and confident right yeah um, and something that you should always ask yourself in any decision that you're making and once you get these answers to the question is am I making this decision because I'm making it from a place of power or am I making this decision from a place of fear okay mm-hmm. and if you can't say yes without hesitation that it's from a place of power then it's not yeah if you can't, it's, you know, if you can't enthusiastically scream, yes, I know that this is the right thing and I'm making it from a place of power, then you're not. Yeah. And it's important to acknowledge that as well so that you can then work out why am I not, what is holding me back, what is blocking me, and I think that it's it's this care provider here. And then once you've had those conversations with her and you need to be mindful of what all of this looks like, that I, that also your care provider, her, she may not be at your birth, right? So yeah, absolutely. And you need to make, uh, you need to ask what does that look like? Who's going to be there? And 
What are the chances of none of the continuity midwives being available? Then what happens to me? Where do I go? Am I then just placed straight into birth suite with the, a fragmented midwife that I've never met? Like all of these are really important to understand and know. And then you can move on to preparing and planning for your birth. Now, I would like to know how were you writing a birth plan or have you written a birth plan or have you considered it? I've I haven't I've like I've started but not in terms of like writing it more just like the kind of things that thinking about the kind of things that I feel I need and then almost like I'm preparing myself to yeah and 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 what are those things like what what have they been have they been physical things have they been like comfort like what does that look like more so much knowledge of like how a birth can go so just trying to understand what birth can look like in different instances um and then it's figuring out what I want in certain instances like if for some reason I have to have a cesarean I know 100% that I want my partner to be the first person to hold our baby so like what so can I ask why that wouldn't be you because your baby can get put onto your chest straight after a cesarean. Well, like if I wasn't capable of, okay. yeah. of doing it, yeah. like I yeah. I know that I want it, I yeah. want my partner to be the, the next person. Yeah. Um, I know that I want to birth my placenta naturally and I want my baby to be placed on my chest for like at least two to three hours before we're disturbed. Things like that. But But how do you make that happen? Do you feel confident to make that happen? Do you feel confident that you will be respected in those choices? At the moment, I I'm going to say no I because there was so. a big hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've told my partner that that's what I want, but I haven't had that conversation with my midwife yet. Did like when I kind of start to bring those things up, she's like, "We'll talk to them closer to your birth." Okay, no, like you're the leader. I feel like I'm on hold. No, no. So you say to the midwife, "You know what?" cool, I don't want to talk about it, then I want to talk about it now, right? And you, this is where you have to be assertive and this is where you have to step up and say, I am leading this and I'm having this conversation with you now. Whether you, it's what you do because they have their little flow chart and their system that they follow and they don't discuss birth plans until 34 or 36 weeks, right? And as I just said, can you imagine having these discussions when you're, you know, a few weeks out from giving birth? You know, they're going to be harder to make changes. So you don't want to wait, especially when you're in this spot where you've got that big blockage, that big blind spot of this care provider and knowing are they going to be 100% supportive and what do I need to do? And you need to be mindful that you're like, I love everything that you're saying and that clearly aligns with the type of birth you want and your values that you want this natural hands-off birth, right? Yeah. But simply writing that down on a piece of paper doesn't guarantee it. No. No. So it's re- so creating a birth plan isn't just about that part. It's knowing that these are the choices that I've made and now based off, you know, the care model that I'm in, how do I make that happen, right? And this is what yeah. I was coming back that it could be that, and I would really encourage as well, sorry, that your partner does this with you, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is what I was talking about, how they can start to grow their confidence because it's very easy for us as women preparing for the birth. We go off and we do the research, we watch the videos, we listen to the people, we join the groups, we do all of this. Like we have the conversations like you and I are having right now. But our partner sometimes gets pushed onto the side, right? And depending on how they take in information, depending on how um, they learn will depend on the type of thing that you do. But it could be things like participating in creating that birth plan and doing that research. For that reason, I have like a little booklet where you, I, where my clients print it out and it, they have the ability to write the stuff down, right? And then they can go back to it and look at it. And it has all of the different avenues that your birth could take. And they go back and they look at it or they get their partner then to do it with them and they read it. And sometimes I've even had people put that in their birth bag because even though something wasn't on their birth plan, it's there as notes that if their partner didn't feel confident in that decision, like in that moment, they've got that little, yeah. um, something that I did with my husband was I sent him little voice memos because 
we're time poor and when we've got kids, we don't always get one-on-one time together. So I'd send him voice memos and he'd listen to them for me or we'd discuss it in the shower, like when we had five minutes alone. And it's just working out what's the best way to communicate this to them, right? Because you can't really make a... You can't really make a judgment of whether they're going to be capable capable to advocate with you if they're not a part of that process or if they yeah. don't know what they're advocating for. So like when they're saying, I don't know how to say no to a doctor, let's go through and have a look at the circumstances on why you might so say no. And let's go through and have a look at these policies. Can you see now why I don't want this? And then if they go, oh, yeah, I can see that, their confidence there just grows because they go, oh, well, that's that sounds reasonable. Of course I can say no to that. Yeah. But when they're just looking at it like, oh, well, that's a doctor. They've done a medical degree. They know better, blah, blah, blah. That can be quite confronting, right? Yeah. So that's, they join in and a part of this process as well, particularly in with the birth plan. And then once you've got that birth plan established, then you can then go through and work out, well, okay, this is, you know, this is me. This is my ideal birth. This is the care provider, the care model that I'm in. And this is my birth plan. Where are the holes that could send me through to, you know, a, a traumatic or disappointing birth? And now what do I need to put in place? Do I now actually need to seek out a doula because I, we have established that my partner isn't that person to advocate with me or be that support that I need, the physical and emotional support? Or is it that, okay, well, we need to seek out a birth education class now because I need my partner to understand physiological birth a little bit better? and yeah. or is it I need to seek out uh, a meditation course or a hypno class because I need to practice that within myself is it that I actually we need to seek out couples counseling because we're struggling to communicate do I need like there's like there's nothing there's no wrong or right answer here but until you've gone and done all of those things prior and it could actually be that once you've created that birth plan you realize well shit I need to actually go and change my model of care because I am not comfortable in any way in this model yeah right so there's no there's no one answer to that and it's completely unique and dependent upon you yeah does that make sense like do you have questions I have questions, but I think they're more like not so much questions, just directions for me. Tell me, just tell me. Spitball them at me. So more like Mitchell and I communicate very differently, but we're aware of that. And so. Okay. So how do you communicate? I'm very emotional. He is not. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to know as much as possible about Mm -hmm. situations so that I feel I'm making the best decisions I can he's very much like just wing it right Um, so like you couldn't get more polar opposites but I think especially in this situation because it's our baby and I'm the one giving birth he respects that he needs to not necessarily do it my way change who he is but he needs to make me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So as much as he doesn't want to maybe read something that I've read or watch something, he will because it's what I need him to understand and I'm not able to communicate it to him in a way. Like I can't be the most articulate person to make him understand it. So if I give him something else, then he'll read it and watch it and be able to understand where I'm coming from. So, so that's I feel a big like- thing. Like that's a big thing that you know that. Can you imagine if you didn't know that? Can you imagine if you actually hadn't sat down and gone, well, how do we communicate between each other? And then how do we communicate to other people? Yeah. yeah. Like, can you imagine like that there before you got any further and started worrying about a care provider, that there has the impact to just lead your birth in a completely opposite direction than what you want. Yeah. I have a question though. How how do you handle confrontation? How do you handle high stress situations? It used to make me cry because I was a people pleaser. But now once I know why I have a boundary, I'm not letting anyone cross that. Great. To so a that's- point where I can become not purposely confrontational, but I will cut anyone down who tries to cross that boundary. Good. And don't lose that. And Sometimes the system tries to beat that out of us, right? But don't let it. 
And how do you think your partner handles confrontation or, you know, stressful situations? He doesn't like confrontation or stressful situations, but he's also not someone who will let someone try and make him do something he's not comfortable doing. Okay. So, again, important to know this, right? So you need to get him to a place where he's comfortable in supporting you, right? You need to get him to a place. Yeah, like he has to understand my why. Yes, but you need to also understand that if he's not capable of doing that, right, if he's not capable, what does that look like for you? Yeah. And where to from here? Yeah. Because you can bury your head in the sand and pretend like he'll be great. And then if he's not, particularly when when you're birthing in the system, right, you have got the best model of care in the system. You have got the MGP. Like that's the, you know, if you're birthing in the hospital system, that's the gold standard of care but that doesn't exempt you from it. Like that doesn't exempt you from being in the system. You had so many boxes that you need to tick. Yeah. You know, so, and and like I have explained and say that even if you're planning a hands-off home birth, there are situations that could arise that are completely out of your control mm-hmm. and you need to give birth in a hospital. You need to be prepared and ready for what that looks like, right? Yeah. And I love how you were saying that you're preparing for a C-section and all of that, and yes, because a birth plan should include that. It should include at a minimum like three to four different scenarios. And they need to be scenarios that you've also communicated with your partner and with your care provider as well so that you're not leaving it till like, so if it is an emergency C-section, for instance, but you've never discussed what that looks like with your care provider because it's not what your ideal birth is. I totally get it. But if you've never discussed it and it is actually something... uh, a path that your birth does need to take you need to have had those conversations prior to so that no matter how it unfolds it's still positive because often we associate a type of birth with being positive or negative but it's not like it's a so much to do with how it unfolds and how we're treated and how we get to the point where we the ones that stood up where you as the woman who's giving birth the ones that made informed decisions that whole way or were you bullied into it? Or were you forced to do it? That's the big difference between a positive and disappointing or traumatic birth experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pro- that is actually probably something that maybe you need to work on for yourself and explore that you're not holding so much weight onto a particular type of birth so that if your birth doesn't unfold like that, you're not left with birth disappointment. And there's there's a completely different thing between grieving a birth experience that you didn't get and still having an amazingly positive birth experience than having a really disappointing or traumatic birth, right? So you could end up with an emergency C-section or a planned C-section, and that is probably the polar opposite to the type of birth that you're preparing for. And it's okay to grieve that. It's okay to grieve the birth that you didn't get, but then to be still super happy with the birth that you have right but there's a big there's a big difference in not being the leader in those situations and and being treated with respect and standing up for your choices and then having like this really traumatic and disappointing birth experience and and grieving the birth experience that you didn't get yeah because sometimes like the type of birth can actually be a big blind spot for women and Mm -hmm. they just envisage this type of birth and if it doesn't happen, it's really hard to come back from that sometimes. Um, or if your birth hits a different pathway, it's hard to not spiral because you're not prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's the power as well as making, is having an effective birth plan and then having those conversations and having those support systems and plans in place. Yeah. 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 Do you have any other questions? I hope I've been helpful for you. You've been so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you, you really have. It's, it's been good. There's, I imagine your brain's just going, and like all and, of these and, things. Oh my God, I can have this conversation with Mitchell and like <laughs> this conversation with my kid. Like I've got so many new directions to go yeah. now to feel like I'm capable of, you are capable you are 100% capable and I know it feels like 
you don't have choices and options in the system. And I'll be honest, you don't have the, the best. Like you, we don't. And we do have to work harder and we do have to fight harder, but it is possible. Like it is possible yeah. to do it um, and you are on the right path. And yeah, so that's great. And I'm so glad that I could be helpful. Thank you. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. <laughs> that's great. Now, before you go, I have one question that I'm asking everybody on the podcast. Okay. And what do you think the world would look like if every woman walked away from their birth experience feeling confident? and powerful trusting their instincts trusting their body what do you think the world would look like if everyone oh, a lot more healed and how do you think that would flow on into becoming a mother into your family your career like what it would be so much healthier and joyful just to not have traumatized people yeah not having mums that are learning to be a new mum, whether it's their first kid or their fifth kid, because where they're all different personalities, and not having to pick up the pieces from being fucked up in the system, like that's yeah, yeah. yeah. and supported the yeah. way that they should be, oh, it just makes such a huge difference. Yes, it would. It would, it would be a lot calmer, <laughs> and okay. I think there would be there'd be more women doing the things right there'd be more women because they would feel confident in their abilities whether that be them seeking out a different career avenue or how they support their children and then it's just like a flow on like then we're not you know we're not projecting our trauma onto our kids and parenting through trauma we're parenting from a place of confidence and power so then our kids are powerful and our kids aren't having to deal with the generational trauma like it's just such a flow-on effect and this is why I have this podcast created because having conversations and particularly with women like you who are preparing for birth and what it looks like so that another woman who is feeling exactly the same as you can see this and can know that they're not alone and know that they have options and are able to go on and I want to talk to you once you've had your baby we can debrief and and see how it went yeah I'd love that awesome thank you so much for um, being here and if you love this podcast if you want to find out more information you can find me at www.petertuck.com come and hang out in the better birth facebook group and join the better birth movement or follow me on instagram peter tuck brisbane doula i will see you next time